Hey, what's up, my friends? Welcome back to the Pilgrimage Podcast. For those waking up to the wonder in all things, celebrating truth and beauty, seeking to live fully here, fully present, fully human. It's an honor to be sharing with you guys again today. And uh, I can't believe this, but we are going to be venturing into the final episode of this 10 series that we've been exploring over the last few weeks. Uh, hold on, the last few months, actually, which is which is insane to say. Um, but before I jump in, I just want to tell you about a, the pilgrimage platform, which is really a community that has begun in the last few months. People celebrating this journey of living each day like it matters, like it's holy, like we are in fact pilgrims upon a journey. And um, I just use this platform to dive a little deeper into some of the things I share about on the podcast, as well as uh, is sharing new music and poetry and insights. And uh, you can sign up to the pilgrimage platform via my website, joshualukesmith.com. Um, in signing up, you also really help sustain the work of what I'm doing here. You keep this this podcast free of advertisement which i think is awesome and uh yeah you keep it coming out so i appreciate all of you who have signed up and uh for those of you that haven't i encourage you go check it out joshualukesmith.com but without further ado let's get going with this final episode all right i can't really tell you how uh, satisfying it feels to be at this last chapter of the journey, not because I wanted to rush everything and get here, but because I'm in reflection mode of how far we've come and how much ground we have covered. And I just want to say how grateful I am to all of you for your encouragement and feedback and uh, emails and comments along the way. It's been a joy to see this these stories and thoughts that I've been carrying for so many years um, shared into the world and and impacting and encouraging people in various ways. So I just want to be, I just feel very grateful, very, very grateful and inspired for this whole process. Um, I'm, I'm excited to get onto the last stage, the last chapter. Before I do, I'm kind of in reflection mode. We have been spending months um, just journeying. What does it mean to live a life that costs us who we don't want to be? What does it mean to live each day in anticipation and in, in excitement about meeting our future selves, knowing that every millisecond of every second of every minute of every day of every week of every month of every year, we are shaping the future that we'll one day embrace. What does it mean to be people that swim upstream and go against the grain who live with devotion and inspiration and security and courage? What does it mean to be people that live invested and people that are present, people that are loving, people that are interested, curious, nurturing? And finally, what does it mean to be people that are expressive, people that have chosen to make their voice count and matter in this world and in this time where we live. And I I, I feel like this point, like this segment, this chapter, this part of the story, I almost want to do at the beginning because it's so important, but it, it feels kind of like a climax crescendo at the end because I believe that to be someone who has chosen to be expressive, not just with their mouth, but with their life is such a formidable way of living that it does cost you who you don't want to be. Because there's something about using your voice, using your life as a, as a point of communication that tells the world that you will not be silenced because of your experiences and your circumstance. I meet people all of the time that are in this process of rediscovering their voice 
And when I say voice, hear me out. I'm not talking about a, a singing uh, voice. I'm not talking about public speaking. I'm talking about the sound of, of the depth that is in you, the sound of like the, the deepest parts of who you are. What is the sound of your soul? And it's interesting that as I meet people who are later on in life, there's almost a, what is a pain that comes with the realization that my soul hasn't spoken, you know, that, that I haven't experienced expressed who I am, what I've what I've lived, what I've seen, and the story that is mine. There's a pain that comes with that. And uh, you know, a number of year, years ago, I went away for a while. I was on tour, I was on the road doing something. And um, and when I came back to the flat where my wife and I were living, we walked into the front door and I remember smelling this almighty putrid stench to the point that it like it caused me to retch i walked into the front door and i had to like cover my mouth and and nose because i was so overcome with this horrible smell and basically looked at my wife and said i, I think there's something dead in here like something died in here whilst we were away and so we began kind of walking through the flat with trepidation like what are we gonna find and then realized this smell is coming from the kitchen so we walked to the kitchen and slowly approached the sink which seems to be the origin of the stench and we get closer and closer and closer and I'm just I'm just ready to witness some kind of dead carcass of an animal that found its way into the flat whilst we were away in the sink but what I find when I peer over the sink is the basin filled with water only three or four inches deep and I cannot tell you my friends how badly that water smell it'd been sat in there stagnant for for weeks and just you know marinating in its own filth i don't know what had been washed or left in there but it was horrible so i pulled the plug and i started cleaning the basin i started washing the dish that was in there and as i was doing it i just had this realization you know the water was flowing out of the out of the tap washing over my hands washing and cleansing the sink and i thought you know Water is meant to go somewhere, right? It's meant to hydrate, it's meant to refresh, it's meant to replenish and heal. But when it doesn't go somewhere, when it just sits, when it's stagnant, it begins to stink. And could it be that when our lives don't speak, when our souls don't have a voice in one way or another, when we're not expressive, we begin to smell there's a there's a there's a bitterness a, a scent of pain that that just begins to become present in our lives and so i start digging into this idea of you know being expressive choosing to live in a manner where your soul can speak you know isn't about just chasing a dream to be heard it's actually about living in a living a way that costs who you don't want to be because i don't think i've ever met anyone who wanted to get to the end of their lives with a sense of bitterness or a, or a stagnation in the depths of who they are you know that there is a scripture in the book of ephesians where the writer paul says to the people um in in the, in the town of ephesus he says this you are the workmanship of the divine in fact, the Greek, what he, what he says in the Greek is, you, you're actually, you're the, you're the poetry of God. 
You, you are an expressive piece of literature that the divine wrote into being. Your lives speak, they communicate. You say something with just the bare bones of your existence. You communicate to the world around you. You have the capacity to write new stories and poems and songs with your lives. Whether or not you've ever embraced melody, your life is a song. And you know this is true because there's people in your life that upon witnessing their expression, you have felt something. You have, it could have been a, a grandparent that you used to sit with. And as they told you their stories, you were moved and you were caught up in the whirlwind of their experiences that in some kind of mysterious way, you felt more awake and alive to your own life. It, it could just be when you meet someone, a friend, and you bear witness to their sense of expression in how they dress, right? What clothes they decided to put on that are so unique to their personality. You go around to someone's house and they're cooking and they're just creating and you know that this is an expression of their soul and it ignites something within you. Our lives are made up of melodies because of every moment has the capacity to say something. And what I want to do by the end of this episode, I'm just going to share a few thoughts and stories. What I want to get to by the end of this episode is not, you know, have every listener desiring to write a poem or write a song. That's 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 far from it. It's 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 that when you hear these words, you would start to realize my life is a song and what I do and what I say and what I how I act does matter because it's an expression of my soul so when I when I say like the, this final core discipline is 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 be expressive say something it's actually because we already are we are already communicating but we have the choice of what we say and how we say it and for what we stand for and for what we speak about right there is this story in the Gospels um, that I think is so fascinating. It's a story where Jesus is walking with his disciples and they're near the town of Jericho and they're walking through this massive crowd of people. It says in the story, it's in the chapter, chapter 18 of the book of Luke, it says the crowd was many, there's all these people and they're walking through the streets. And Jesus by this time has become known for his healing power. He's been become known as a man who can raise the dead and heal the sick. And he's walking with his disciples and it says there was a blind man on the road. And the blind man heard that Jesus was coming. And so he called out, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, don't pass me by. And the story goes to say that the, that the disciples, the followers of Jesus looked at him and they said, be silent. They says they rebuked him, be quiet. But upon hearing their rebuke, the blind man called out even more. He said, son of David, have mercy on me. Do not pass me by. And Jesus stopped walking and he turned around and he said, bring that man to me. And the next part of the story is so beautiful. It says the blind man stood up and threw off his coat. And I was fascinated with that detail for a while. I did some reading and I discovered that in the first century, blind men would wear these coats that had a painted mark upon the back. So if they found themselves caught in big crowds, the people behind them would be able to identify them as being blind so not to push them out the way. 
So when the blind man realized that Jesus has heard his voice and was calling him into his presence, he removed from himself that which identified him as a man with a disability. It was almost as if he knew that just by the fact he had been heard, everything was about to change. And the story gets even better because when he arrives face to face with Jesus, he's asked a question. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? (laughs) What do you want me to do for you? And I'm thinking, Jesus, he's blind. You know what he wants you to do. He's blind. He knows you're the healer. But so much has already happened in this story leading up to this point. What we've discovered already is that there is something of the divine, the heart of God, that is waiting for us to speak, waiting for us to name our need, waiting for us to express our soul. There is something of God's heart that he isn't moved necessarily by the world's expectation, judgment, prejudice, description, definition of who we are. Nah, he wants to hear our needs sound from the depths of our souls. He is moved by the true expression of who we are. Blind man, what do you need? And he says, I wish to recover my sight. And it was done. (laughs) It was done. What does that say to me? It says to me that Jesus put the healing into the man's hands. He put the healing into the man's hands. And it was a response to his expression, not only in getting Jesus' attention, but in voicing the depths of his desire that the breakthrough happened. How many times in my life and how many times in your life Have you stayed silent upon hearing the rebuke, hearing upon the silencing of someone else towards you? You know, in this story, it's it's as if the disciples are communicating to the blind man, Jesus is too busy. God is too busy. That good thing is out of your reach. You know, that desire in your heart is beyond you. Don't waste your breath. Stay silent. And I would say my track record, you know, really has been to receive that word of judgment or receive that point of view as final and i zip my mouth closed but what i learned in this story is when you hear that voice when you hear that word telling you to be quiet that's when you start speaking even louder it says he cried out even more son of david do not pass me by it this story communicates to me that it's not good enough to say it once. It's not good enough to voice it once. It's almost as if the second time you speak reveals the depth of the desire, the true essence of what's in there. It's almost the second time you speak reveals not to God, but to you how much you need this, how much you're after this, how much you truly, truly want this. You know, there's this uh, book called Love Does by a man called Bob Goff. And if you haven't read this book, man, read this book, put it on the top of your list. Because this, this book is a celebration, um, a cel- celebration of the foolishness and eternal impact 
uh, of lives that choose to be defined by loving all those around us. And there's a story that Bob writes about himself in his pursuit to become a lawyer where he just doesn't get into law school time and time again. But the way that he approaches that sense of failure is just to keep showing up. He sits outside the office of the dean or uh, the examiner uh, and just doesn't give up, doesn't leave until he's worn the guy down so much that he gives him a break to study law and is now, you know, this world-class lawyer just bringing change all around the world. And uh, what I love about that story is the second time you turn up to the office, right? The second time you speak, the second time you announce your heart is the first time it's really apparent how much you want it, how much you desire it. To live a life that's expressive is often living a life that is persistent in the way that you announce your desires and your needs and what your heart is really going after. To be expressive, like I said in the beginning, is to be someone who has revealed that this world hasn't silenced you or dumbed you down, that your disappointment and what you've been through the first time didn't prevent you from speaking or going the second time. To be expressive is to say, yes, I was told this wasn't gonna happen. I was told I wasn't good enough. I was told to shut up, but, that didn't have the final word in my life because if it did, that blind man Bartimus, that was his name, well, he wouldn't have seen for the rest of his life. But he cried out all the more upon asked to be silent. He cried out all the more. And when Jesus asked him what he needed, he had the conviction in his heart to announce it. I would say the first point of being someone who lives expressive, someone who lives in a way that costs them who they don't wanna be, is to be, able to be someone who can announce when asked, what do you need? This is what I need. This is what I need to progress my life, right? This is what I need to see personal, internal breakthrough in that inner sanctuary, that inner world, that inner part of who I am. This is what I need to see these dreams materialize, to move from fantasy to reality. This is what I need to love the people around me better. I can announce it, I'm aware of it, and I've been mocked for saying it before, but I won't stop me from saying it again. Let me tell you this, your ability to be expressive will open up the mouths and the the lives of those around you. They will bear witness to something that unlocks a depth within them. How do I know? Well, the story in the Gospels goes from Luke 18, where we see the disciples rebuking the blind man, to Luke 19, which is the next chapter. And the disciples, the same disciples, it says, were dancing and rejoicing, singing songs of celebration because of what they had witnessed. What had they seen? They had seen Jesus open the eyes of the blind, heal people of their sickness, and raise the dead to life. They're singing and they're dancing. Guess what happens next? A group of people come up to Jesus and they say to Jesus, silence your men rebuke them, tell them to be quiet. They're making a mockery of themselves. And Jesus says to them, if I tell them to be silent, the very rocks will begin to cry out. If I tell them to be silent, the very rocks will cry out. If you don't speak, if your life remains silent, inanimate objects will fulfill your purpose. The ground you stand on will take up your divine vocation to declare the goodness that is in your life. 
When God created the heavens and the earth, it says in that beautiful piece of Hebrew imagery at the beginning of the Bible, it says God made the heavens and the earth and he said it is good. When that happened, goodness was infused into the fibers of all things. Therefore, to be expressive with your life in a manner which celebrates all that is around us is the fulfillment of creation itself. It says in Romans 8, the earth is yearning and crying out for the sons of God, the children of God to be revealed. It is as if, if we don't express ourselves, if we don't speak in, in, in joyful celebration and gratitude throughout our lives, we miss the very purpose for which we were created to be ambassadors of joy to be ambassadors of joy. I don't wanna be someone who gets to the end of my life with a bitterness or a sour touch to my tone. And a way that I can combat that ever happening is to be someone who celebrates and is expressive about all that is around me. And let me tell you, that looks that looks specific. That might look like you biting into a sandwich. And when that, when that feeling, when that thought erupts in your mind of like, oh my goodness, this is good. Guess what? You say it. Oh, this is good because there's something about you speaking it out and expressing yourself that fulfills a divine vocation that you have to be someone that declares the goodness in all things. The disciples a chapter before were rebuking the blind man from speaking out and now they're rejoicing because they, they saw with their eyes what happens when you speak. When you speak out your desires, they're manifested before you. He spoke out what he needed and the healing came. So they were like, how can we stay silent about all that we've seen? As we speak out, we step into the freedom that we're announcing. This is good. This is good. This is good. It is a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. No good thing is lost forever, my friends. There is a, an eternal essence to all good things that we experience and that is worth celebrating. The, uh, the brother of Jesus, James said, every good and perfect gift is from the father above in whom there are no shifting shadows. He doesn't manipulate. He doesn't do things with a hidden agenda. If it's good, it's from him. And so it's worth celebrating. And you will receive from that which you celebrated more when you acknowledge it for the gift that it is. I got these, uh, I got these red wing boots. They're my favorite thing that I own. I love lacing up these Red Wings because I couldn't afford them. But my mother-in-law bought me them one, uh, one birthday. And every time I put them on, I look down at the ground and I see that I'm walking in the uh, affection of someone else. I look down at the pavement and the shoes that I wear are a reflection of someone else's affection towards me. And that is, that is true of every good thing in our life. Everything that is good is a gift and it's the reflection of someone else's affection towards you. It's just so beautiful. Matthew 18, uh, Jesus says, if you wanna inherit the kingdom, become like a little child. You ever see a little child bite into a piece of cake or ice cream that they like? You see the, the smile that erupts over their face. You see them rubbing their tummy. You see them express themselves. Your life is a song. It's a poem. It's a melody. You can make it a good one. You can make it one that sounds sweet if you want. Stay expressive. 
there is this uh there is this other strange uh story in the scriptures that i just want to speak to for a second it's that you would have heard it man if you grew up in any kind of sunday school environment you would have heard this story it's the story of jonah who uh, was swallowed by a fish by a whale and it's this kind of crazy crazy story but jesus refers to it a few times in the sense of uh, referring to his death and coming resurrection. He says, as it was with Jonah in the whale, so it will be with me, the son of man in the grave. And really the story of Jonah is, is subversive. It's very, very profound. It's provocative. It's a story about race. It's a story about prejudice. It's a story about forgiveness. And ultimately it's a story about resurrection. And there's this point in the story where Jonah is in the, is in the belly of the fish. And he starts writing a song. <laughs> he starts declaring this poem, this prayer. And uh, I want to read it to you. It says this. These are the words of Jonah. He says, my life was fainting away, but I remembered the Lord. My prayer came to you up into the holy temple. For those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of a steadfast love. For I, says Jonah, listen to this. I, with the voice of thanksgiving, sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. And then he declares this, salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord then spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. When I read that the first time, what I wrote down instantaneously was, if you want a resurrection, it's time to start singing a song. If you want a resurrection, it's time to start using your voice. But with the voice of thanksgiving, Jonah declares, and upon doing so, the fish vomits him out. I think this is a phenomenal picture for us to take hold in a very practical way. If you want to change the way in which you see the world, if you want to move from death to life, if you want to go from the grave to a garden, it's time to use your voice of thanksgiving. It's time to start singing. And honestly, that might be actually singing for you. It might not be. But what I mean is it's time to start recognizing your life has a sound and you get to decide what it feels like for other people to hear it right? For what it sounds like for other people to hear it. You are the poetry of the divine. You are the poem of God. What you say matters. What you do sounds like something. Heaven leans in when you wake up. It's like hearing someone singing a few rooms away, this faint melody, but it captures you. And you kind of have to stop what you're doing and get a little closer. You might even press your ear against the door. That is what your life is. It's a song that is waiting to be heard. It's a song that you get to define the sound of. And so I hope from just hearing these words, you might be encouraged to announce your needs, announce your desires, even if the first time you did that, they were silenced. That's okay. That happened to all of us. The second time you announce it really defines just how deep it goes. I hope that these words might encourage you to start singing with a voice of thanksgiving, bearing witness to the goodness that is in all things. You know, sometimes we don't talk about what is good in our lives because it feels so fleeting. Why talk about something that seems like it's fading away already? You know, maybe the good things that you've had just seem to be gone, or maybe they're, hold, they're held in your hands like dust blowing in the wind. But you know what? No good thing is truly lost forever. 
There is an eternal story that is being written. And so these good things in our lives, no matter how long we held them for, no matter how long they stayed, they're worth celebrating even now. Even in their seeming demise, they're worth celebrating. And perhaps you're anticipating goodness and perhaps you're anticipating a future that might just be better than your past. Could it be that your voice of thanksgiving, the embodiment of joy, is what will really lead you into it all? I want to end uh, this series with a very, very simple prayer. And uh, you can receive this prayer however you want, but I want to speak it over you, my fellow pilgrims, as we draw uh, an end to this, this chapter of this book that we've been reading and writing together. And it's just simply this. May we live lives that cost us. That cost us our comfort. That cost us our judgment. That cost us bitterness. That cost us who we don't want to be. May we live lives that can be heard like songs of joy poems of exaltation and stories of hope. Amen. Oh,